Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that once again we can gather together as your people. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for uh, the uh, little ones among us, those that are heading back to school, uh, whether that's primary school, whether that's high school. Lord, would you be with them? Uh, Father, would you be with those who teach? Uh, would you be with families? Uh, and Father, would this be a year uh, of your blessing, um, of, uh, of education, of um, safe relationships? Uh, Father, would you be with families that are part of our community here? Uh, and would you be with them uh, with readjusting to New Year rhythms, with school going back and all that that involves? Uh, and Father, we, we want to ask that you would give um, families within our church the opportunity to shine the light of Christ in their schools. Uh, Father, for those in schools that don't have many Christians within them, um, would you give opportunities for um, our families uh, to make much of Jesus in the way that we live and in the words that we speak? And Father, we even ask that you'd give us eyes to see the people in our school communities, uh, maybe parents or neighbours that we've built relationships with over the years, uh, that you would give us opportunities even this year to speak of Christ and perhaps that this church would be a place uh, where people can meet Jesus, uh, where whole families can meet Jesus, uh, where, um, where people's lives will be changed for eternity. Uh, Father, we uh, pray right now that you would give us grace, O Lord, uh, to answer readily the call of our Saviour Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvellous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. And Lord, may your spirit right now illuminate this word and give us ears to hear. And all those with eager hearts said, Amen. 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 Uh, the finish line shapes the journey. Uh, if you're in a running race, the, the finish line is the goal. The finish line is where you are striving towards, knowing where you are going, knowing what is in store when you reach that finish line. The relief, the accolades, the celebration, the sense of personal achievement, whatever it might well be, can perhaps even help you in the midst of the struggle on the journey. Whether that race is a running race, whether it's something in your workspace and a project that you are working towards, whether it's a, a goal within your family, whether it's a personal habit, whether whatever it is, kind of knowing where you want to go will actually enable you in the process, will enable you in the journey, will enable you to press on when times are tough. Keep going when you want to give up. Seeing that finish line enables you, empowers you, and strengthens you to keep going. You know, the Song of Ascents, uh, uh, these Psalms, there's about 15 of them uh, from Psalm 120 uh, and following. And uh, they have been compiled as songs that were sung on a journey, on a race of sorts, uh, as Jewish pilgrims were on their way back to Jerusalem as they went to go and keep the feasts of the Lord, the feasts of the Lord. Being in that city was the goal. And uh, the songs of ascent, as we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks, are, are kind of like a pilgrimage songbook, uh, a, a road trip playlist. Uh, this current series, Ascend the Hill, we've been focusing on Psalm 120, 121 and 122. Uh, and if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you'd know that we've kind of talked about how each of these songs of ascent 
uh, a couple together in groups of three. And the, the first uh, song of ascent in each of these trios uh, points out something of the difficult journey, which we saw in Psalm 120. Uh, Psalm 121 is that God's power to sustain. Number two in the trios, God will sustain you. Uh, and number three, uh, and number three in each of the trios, and number three, particularly as we look at Psalm 122 today, is all about the joy waiting in Jerusalem. It's the finish line. It's the goal of the journey. It is where the Jewish pilgrim is going. And it is knowing where they are going, which enables them to press on. To press on in the midst of opposition, to press on in the midst of the harshness of the elements, to press on in the midst of the doubts and the fears, to press on towards that holy city. Now today we're going to spend time thinking about three cities. Uh, we're going to think about three cities. If you want to write these three down, uh, I'll tell you when we get up to them as well. But the three cities we're going to consider are the ancient city, number two, the future city, and number three, the present city. And, and so we're going to think about three different cities. We're going to think about the ancient city, the, pre the future city, and the present city. And we're going to consider what does it actually mean to be the people of God in that city? What does it mean to strive towards that city? How do we live as the people of God in that city? And so city number one is the ancient city. And the ancient city is the ancient city of Jerusalem. Uh, the city spoken about in Psalm 122, the holy city of God. And what I want you to notice as we uh, look at Psalm 122, if you've got it, keep it out, keep it open as we track through it. I want you to notice that this holy city, this ancient city of Jerusalem is marked out by three characteristics. The first characteristics that the ancient city is marked out by is gladness. The city of God, the ancient city of God, Jerusalem, is a glad city. It is a city of joy. Pick it up with me, Psalm 122, beginning again in verse 1. It says, a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This is David saying these words, but this is all of the Jewish pilgrims on their way back as they ascend the hill of the Lord. The thought of going to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage, the invitation to join in evokes much gladness in anticipation of where they're going. What a journey, what an opportunity, what a joy awaits them when they arrive in that ancient city. And what joy on this journey, even in the midst of hardship, even on the way there is joy in anticipation. And look at verse 2, he continues and says, Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. You know, the idea here is kind of imagine one of these pilgrims who's been on this journey and has combated everything that has come their way and they've arrived. And it's almost like they've just finished their first day in the ancient city, the city of Jerusalem. And the, the idea behind the idea behind verse 2 is like, it's almost too good to be true. We're here. This is incredible. This is a moment of gladness. This is a moment of joy. This is a moment of celebration. You know, it's um, Chinese New Year has kind of just taken place. Uh, and uh, I've accidentally found myself in Chinatown before at Chinese New Year. And it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's food, there's laughter, there's dragon parades, there's random firecrackers kind of going off everywhere. Uh, I haven't seen much personally with Chinese New Year this year, except for online. Uh, I saw a friend of mine that I met in Malaysia back in November. He lives in this spectacular spot overlooking KL and you can kind of see everything. He shared this footage and it's like fireworks everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And I'm pretty confident that some of it was coordinated. I'm very confident that most of it is just we are excited, we are joyful, we are celebrating. This is the feast, this is the festival every direction you can see fireworks you know for these jewish pilgrims the idea of being in the city for the feasts of the lord it brings much joy they're present they're feasting they're celebrating they're dancing they're setting off ancient fireworks in this city you know for the jewish pilgrim who has been dispersed in places far from jerusalem just getting there is a big deal we saw back in Psalm 120 that these are our people who are living as exiles among the nations. And yet, no matter how much pain and how much danger is on the journey, arriving uh, for the festival in the city of Jerusalem brings great gladness. But more than that, uh, three characteristics that mark out this ancient city. Number one, gladness. But number two, it's also marked by unity. It's also marked by unity. You know, the whole structure and the whole town planning of Jerusalem itself is actually all about reinforcing this concept of unity among the people of God. Pick it up, uh, Psalm 122, verse 3. It says, Jerusalem built intentionally as a city that is bound firmly together. People are together as the people of Yahweh, the people of God, in the city of God, united together as his. A diverse people, look at verse 4, it says, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. These are a diverse people, and yet they're united together. Various tribes that are scattered, all as smaller parts, yet unite together as the whole body the people of God. They are tribes of the Lord. They're all united together as those who are of the Lord. What are they doing? Well, verse 4 also says that they're giving thanks to the name of the Lord, to the one who has gathered them and united them to be his people. And why? Well, verse 5 says, there in that city, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Here they are coming to a place where the king rules, where God's appointed king, the one belonging to the house of David. This is not just for David himself to sing. David lives in this city, but for the generations to come after David, promises were made to David that there would be a king who would come from his throne. And that whoever was seated on the throne of David was one who was to rule with justice one who judges a judgment seat is set you see this ancient city this psalm 122 is a city that is marked out by gladness marked out by unity and thirdly a city that is marked out by security you know the final the final section there of the psalm that we're looking at uh, they're they're excited to be in this city 
They're excited to be the people of God, the family of God. And so they pray, God, would you continue to do what you are doing? God, would we continue to be the people you want us to be? God, would you continue to show your grace and your kindness to us? Pick it up with me there. Verse 6, it says, uh, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The people of God pray for each other and they pray for the city that this would be a place for those who love God to come and to find and to maintain peace, to enjoy safety and security. You know, Psalm 122 is a beautiful vision, isn't it? It's a song that you could imagine being sung, not just when you arrive. You sing it on the road before you get there, remember? This is a playlist for the journey. This is a playlist for the road trip. And singing this song is a reminder of where we are going and where God is taking us. And that is what is ahead. And regardless of the sleepless nights, regardless of the discomfort of the journey to get there, it's a beautiful vision of the joy awaiting them in this ancient city of Jerusalem. A city marked by gladness to be there, unity as a family, and that prayer for ongoing security that we'd know the peace and security of God. And yet the reality, as we read through Old Testament history, as we kind of keep going after the Psalms, as we kind of read the whole big picture of the Old Testament, if we're honest, and if we even reflect upon this playlist that was written and reflect upon these words that were penned, there aren't actually that many moments where God's people got to enjoy this city as they would have liked to have enjoyed it, right? There were moments, there were golden ages. And it's, it's interesting, as David even writes this psalm, it probably reaches its peak as David is writing this. And, and for generations to come afterwards, there is a, a pilgrimage in returning to that city. And yet there are also times when they are far from that city and they cannot get to that city. And there isn't necessarily the joy awaiting them in that physical ancient city of Israel. Uh, those of us who are students of the Bible and students of the Old Testament, we'd know that there's an ongoing pattern of sin in the life of Israel. Here are God's people that he has rescued through his mighty and outstretched arm, who he has made them something when they were nothing. He has redeemed them. He has brought them into his family. And yet, even after they've been saved... They continue in disobedience. They regularly forget the God that saved them. They worship. There's kind of almost one rule. Just don't worship the gods of the nations. And yet that's the rule that gets broken on repeat. You know, David writes this psalm. David writes this in the midst of the golden age. A song to be sung by pilgrims for centuries to follow. And yet within one generation, his son Solomon, for all the wisdom that he had, was foolish and led God's people ultimately into turning away from God, of worshipping the gods of the nations. A civil war ensues. The kingdom is divided. The Lord judges his people. They're sent off into exile. And even as we continue with the narrative in the Old Testament, we know that a remnant remains throughout the Old Testament. There are always people who would sing these songs and long to be in a city like that again. Long to enjoy God, peace, 
unity, security like that. There's always a people longing for a day when that will return. And yet Jerusalem in the Old Testament never really makes it again. It's only ever a shadow of what once was perhaps in David's reign and what is yet to come. We get to the end of the Old Testament, we're waiting for some type of restoration of that city, restoration of the fortunes of God's people. And so the good news is, as we read Psalm 122, we get to take a bigger step back, not just from David's life and a few centuries after David, but as we look to the New Testament, as we look to Jesus, we know that in and through Jesus, we have the King who was to come. We have the king who was to come, who would rule and who would reign, who would bring justice and bring righteousness. In Jesus, we meet the one who is without sin. We meet Jesus, who is the one, like everyone else in line of David, who sins and forgets the God who made them. Jesus is without sin. Like everyone else in the whole of the Old Testament, like everyone else in all of history, Jesus is the only one who lives the perfect, obedient life in our place and on our behalf. And in Jesus, we meet the king who went to the cross, who takes the penalty for our sin and for our rebellion. And through Jesus, we meet the one who, whom death could not hold him down. He is alive, it's through him. He is the eternal king. It's in him that we have one whose reign will last forever, whose kingdom will know no end. In fulfillment of the promises that God makes to David, we see the perfect fulfillment. In David's great, 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 great grandson, Jesus. And so if we look back and see this ancient city and we see all of the hope that was within it, we see moments where joy is in it as the people of God gather with unity and gladness and security, we are all the more thankful that Jesus, this king who lived, died and rose again, invites us to take hold of the second city, what was that? Number two, the future city. Number two, the future city. Consider the ancient city in Jerusalem. But we look forward to the future city. In the New Testament, we see that God's kingdom is so much bigger than the physical Jerusalem that you can still visit in the Middle East. While Jerusalem, perhaps for all time, maintains an important place, obviously in the story of the Bible and in the history of God's people, if we only think about the restoration of the, the city of Jerusalem on earth, the physical city that we know today and have known for the last few thousand years, we need to actually take a step back and go, no, no, our hope is much bigger than one city and much better than one city and more secure than one city. And, and we don't need to negotiate some type of arms deals to protect that city in order to make sure we can look after the precious city of God. No, 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 the precious city of God, the future city of God is so much bigger. In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse uh, 24, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, it says this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says, but you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. This is a picture of the heavenly gathering. It's better than any festival in Jerusalem. It's better than any Chinese New Year. It's got angels serving drinks. It's a pretty cool gathering to go to. If you come to my house, I will serve you drinks. 
I will go down to the fridge to get something. I will go to the tap often <laughs> to get something and, that, you know, enjoy it. But how good is that? This picture of the heavenly gathering is of angels uh, kind of in the midst of the feast, in the midst of the gathering, serving the people of God. Verse 23, Hebrews 12, verse 23 continues. And this is what, you, this is what you've come to. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You know, we are called to this future eternal gathering that is certainly characterized by gladness, by unity, by security, where we will be made perfect. You understand this, we won't be perfect in this life here and now. We are always going to struggle with sin. Yes, we will grow. Yes, we'll increasingly put sin to death, but it won't be until that future city. The heavenly city where we will finally be free from sin and made perfect. And then Hebrews 12 verse 24 says, and we've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This heavenly future city of God is built on the blood of Christ. He is our king. He is our mediator. You know, one of my favorite pictures of the heavenly city uh, is in the second last chapter of the Bible. Uh, Revelation 21. Verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the city was no more. Revelation 21 verse 2. And I saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Can you see it? Do you see the finish line? Do you long for that future city? Do you pray, Lord, bring on the day when we will see his face? Lord, speed the day when we will see the same hands that had nails pierced through them wipe every tear away from our eyes. You see, the vision of that future city is of an unshakable gladness, of an unshakable unity, of an unshakable security. And I'm not sure what goes through your head and your heart as you kind of see the finish line in the Bible, as you see the finish line that is this heavenly city. But I hope and trust that this would give you life, give you hope in this life, that it would help you to ascend the hill as you journey through life amid opposition. Opposition within, ah, fallen short again. Opposition without, conflict along the way, enemies along the way, hardship along the way, persecution along the way. Let us be a people that pray that the reality of that heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, that future city, that certain city, that it will dawn soon. Let's pray that, that Christ would return. Lord, speed that day. But to conclude, what do we do while we wait? for that city and wait for that day. 
We're considering three cities. City number one is the, the ancient city of Jerusalem that we read about in Psalm 122 and as we read about in the Old Testament. City number two is the, the future city, the heavenly city, the goal, the thing that we're striving towards, the finish line we long for. The third and final city is the present city. Let's land this plane. What does Psalm 120, what, what difference does Psalm 122 make to us today? What difference does Hebrews 12 and Revelation 21 make to us today? Well, I think looking back to Psalm 122 and looking forward to the realities that Hebrews and Revelation speak about enables us to understand the time that we live in. We live in, a, in an age that theologians called a now-not-yet period, a period of tension. We live in the now, that is, understand this, we have already come to the heavenly city. That's the language in Hebrews chapter 12. It's not that one day you'll get to it. You've already, in Christ, come to that heavenly city. You've already, in Christ, become members of that heavenly city. And yet there's this not yet tension. We await our resurrection bodies. We await when all of those wonderful things of Revelation 21, 3 and 4 will be wiped away. The, the tears will be gone, the crying will be gone, the mourning will be gone, the death will be gone, the cancer will be gone, the depression will be gone, the frustration will be gone, death will be gone. And so we live in an overlap of the ages. And, and uh, imagine my right arm is the old age and my left arm is the new age. We kind of live in this in-between bit. The old age beginning at creation, it will end when Christ returns. And the new age begun in the coming of Christ, the first coming of Christ. It was inaugurated in the first coming of Christ. And so we kind of live in this in-between time where we actually still struggle, we still suffer, we're still frustrated, we still sin, people still sin against us. The world is still decaying and yet we get little glimpses of the, the new age have already broken through. We get them as we look to Christ in all that he has accomplished in his first coming. And we get to enjoy little glimpses of the new age as the people of God. We live in this time of tension. And so how do we live in this present city? I'm, I'm talking about this city. I'm talking about the city of Brisbane. But this is a relevant word if you move to Toowoomba. Two mentions, two weeks in a row for Toowoomba. This is relevant if you move to Sydney. This is relevant if you move to KL. This is relevant if you move to Dallas. This is relevant whatever city you find yourself living in. How do we live in this present city. Well, it means we live in a city that's kind of marked and characterized by tension. We know we already belong to something better in Christ, in the heavenly places, but we're going to often be disappointed. We're going to feel that tension between the, 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 the now of the age to come and, and yet the not yet of the age to come. The now of the tension of the old age continuing to reign. This city, Brisbane, will disappoint us. Relationships in this city will disappoint us. This church, don't think we've disappointed too many people yet. Just wait. All churches disappoint people. That's kind of what happens when sinners get together. We will disappoint ourselves. You will disappoint yourselves. And yet it's at those moments of frustration and tension that we remember where we belong. You know, Philippians 3 reminds us, no, our citizenship is actually not first and foremost in Brisbane, it's in heaven. 
And from it, we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we gather together as the people of part, I think a big part of being the church is that when we gather, as unsophisticated as this gathering is, as untechnological as this gathering is, as, as, as bad as the typos and the wrong date on the screen repeatedly have been, like as we, as we gather together, we actually do, when we strip those things back, we get a foretaste of the heavenly city, don't we? We get a foretaste of the gladness, of the unity, and of the security that's promised and hoped for in Psalm 122 and fulfilled in Christ and in the heavenly city. And so now when we gather as the church, let us be a people who, who, who long to taste that gladness as we gather, that unity as we gather, that security as we gather, to long to take hold of it all the more. May gathering whet our appetite for that city. And as we gather... And as we live differently because of what Christ has done to rescue us from the old age, to take us to the new age, to work in us, to conform us to his image and his likeness, to sanctify us, helping us to learn how to say sorry, helping us to learn how to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us, to know that the church doesn't always get it right and our church won't always get it right, but we strive to live differently because of what Christ has done for us. May we, as we live, not just be a foretaste of heaven that we get to enjoy together, but may we, as we live, give the world a glimpse of what heaven is like, of what it looks like to have Christ on the throne of our lives, Christ on the throne of our hearts, Christ dictating how we relate to one another with service, with sacrifice, with love. You know, this whole idea of living in this time of tension uh, if we just kind of take a step back for a moment, I think is a big part of who, who we desire to be as a new church. Uh, Christ, our refuge. Uh, let me give you a, a quote from um, Tim Keller from his book, Centre Church, that I think resonates deeply personally, and I hope it resonates with you as well. I might share this quote later on uh, so you can see it uh, as well. Uh, but Keller says this, he says, Christians, Christians, Christians should become a dynamic counterculture where they live. It will not be enough for Christians to simply live as individuals in the city, however. They must live as a particular kind of community. In the Bible's tale of two cities, man's city is built on the principle of personal aggrandizement, Genesis 11, while the city of our God is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, Psalm 48. In other words, the urban society God wants is based on service not selfishness. Its purpose is to spread joy from its cultural riches to the whole world. Christians are called to be an alternate city within every earthly city, an alternate human culture within every human culture to show how sex, money and power can be used in non-destructive ways, to show how classes and races that cannot get along outside of Christ can get along in him. And to show how it is possible to cultivate by using the tools of art, education, government and business to bring hope to people rather than despair or cynicism. It's a good quote. I'll uh, I'll share it so you can read it and reflect upon it. You know, it even gets to something at the heart of who we want to be as we seek to know Christ, love the church and serve the city. What does it look like for us at Christ our refuge to serve the city? To, to, to be a place that is a beacon of hope that offers the life that Jesus 
gives to us, that we show in our relationships that people who ordinarily would have nothing to do with one another become part of the people of God together in Christ Jesus. You know, we we say it often, but our dream as a church, our vision, our dream as a church is to be a city of refuge within the city of Brisbane, where people have found refuge, security and hope in Christ. Isn't that a good invitation? And we see a mature, generous and kingdom-minded community with a prayer to plant four new gospel-centered Anglican churches in Brisbane by 2032. That's pretty soon. Do you, see, do you see what we're wanting to hold out? What we're wanting to invite people to take hold of? Refuge. Hey, Brisbane, you can rest here. Security. Hey, Brisbane, you are safe here. Hope. Hey, Brisbane, you have a future here. Now, when I use the word here, at one level, I'm talking about our church community as we kind of form. But more importantly, the here is Christ. Christ is our refuge. It's in him we find security. It's in him we have hope beyond the grave. And so when we gather together, brothers and sisters, let us be a people who are glad. Let our gatherings be marked by joy and gladness because of what we have in Jesus. Let us be a people who who are united together because of who we are in Jesus. And let us be a, a, a people where we pray and know about the security that is ours because of where we stand in Jesus. You know, I'm praying to this end for our church. I'm praying, Lord, would you give me this week one opportunity to offer refuge, security and hope to someone who desperately needs it? May we likewise be a people who pray that as a church, we would introduce many people to find what Jesus offers in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. The refuge, the security and the hope that can be ours as we trust in him. May we truly be a a city within the city of Brisbane, a city of refuge where people meet Jesus. I'm going to pray. A prayer. Uh, This prayer is uh, adapted from a a prayer of Tim Keller's from this same passage. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we thank you uh, that we can sit under your word. Uh, We thank you for the vision that we are given in Psalm 122. We thank you for that city. We thank you for that finish line of that city. We thank you for the, the gladness, the unity and the security in that city. And Father, we thank you that in Jesus, we have all those things and more. In Jesus, we are part of a a heavenly city. But Lord, would you help us as we live in this city right now, the city of Brisbane? Would you help us as a new church, as we form, as we move forward in this new year? And Lord, we praise you for what the church could be as an alternate human society that shows the world your glory. But Lord, we confess we are part of what the church is, a flawed community, far from reflecting your character. And so give us the understanding and the love that we need as a new church to become part of the solution and not the problem. And Father, we pray this in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.